I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, welcome to Going Off Track. Hi. I'm Brad. <laughs> uh, I'm Steven. No, I'm Jonah. This is Brad. Steven is... I wonder what Steven is doing right now. Um, chasing a kid Probably down chasing, the hall. Probably chasing one to two kids down the hall. But yeah, if we sound different, it's because, well, we are different. It's been months now since we've released the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so here's the situation. Not for you. Yeah, to you, it feels like there's been no change. Here's the situation. As we've talked about on the last few episodes, I feel like Rubber Tracks closed at the end of 2016. Uh, and we, we lost. We archived a whole bunch of shows. We, yeah, we had about 20 podcasts. We knew it was closing. Um, so we stacked a whole bunch. So we would kind of hoarded them. So now we had ones to release every week, but these were all. Recorded a while ago. Yeah, and the intros were... And the intros yeah. were very old so There wasn't as well. much topical information, hopefully. No. So, yeah. So, the last couple, <laughs> including this... So, here's the deal. So, we're back. So, we're back. In time. In time. <clears throat> but, just so you know, this, pod, this podcast today, Brad lost and I sort of spaced on. Oh, yeah. That's um, true. So, this, so, so this besides podcast, the fact that most of our podcasts recently have been pre-recorded like up to like two months well maybe like six weeks in advance yeah or more two months maybe some of them this one is recorded like this was recorded in may yes yeah, so like, were here almost 10 months ago so almost 10 months ago which is crazy because it doesn't feel like it was that long ago i know but time flies man when your life is rich and interesting jonah it's true so but it got lost. This what it happened. got it got lost it got lost it was mislabeled yeah. and then i was walking down the street like a month ago, and I was like, had this panic feeling. I was like, did we ever release that, that podcast with Travis? And I texted Brad, and he was like, no, and I'm going through that drive now, and I was about to erase it, Yeah, but he found it. I literally was like possibly hours away from actually erasing the backup drive because yep. it was mislabeled. Which would have been a real bummer because Travis came all the way from Webster Hall the day of their show, who's only here for a day, came all the way to Rubber Tracks, recorded this podcast. It was a great episode. Uh, Travis is an old friend of the podcast, and uh, the band got back together recently, and uh, they're playing some shows in May. They're playing in Hamden, Connecticut, May 24th, in the Music Hall of Williamsburg in Brooklyn, Asbury Lanes, and they're playing a huge festival May 28th um, 
in Boston. It's called Boston Calling and Tools Playing, Chance the Rapper. It's like a Run the Jewels. It's the lineup is pretty sick. Yeah. Um do you do you ever do the festival thing, Brad? Uh not a fan, but obviously we all have friends that play Sometimes it's the only places you can see them these days, you know? Yeah, it seems like it's like become such a big thing now. Yeah. Don't yeah you th- I'm not I a mean, big fan I, of the festival. Yeah, I just feel like there's so many now that it's hard to know which one. Although I gotta say, it's been a while. I'm trying to think the last Warp Tour I went to. I don't even know, man. Even that's been a while. Yeah, no, I agree. Um Travis, so yeah, Travis has been playing with Piebald again. He also uh, has a band, The Past Haunts. He's got a bunch of projects going on, he, and he recently moved to New Orleans. Uh, so if you're down there, buy him a beer. <laughs> right? Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. So they got anyway, beer down there. What's that? They got some good beer down I've there. I've never been to New Orleans. Ooh. I think it's one of the few like major cities in the U.S. I've never been to. You're missing out. Yeah, you, I know. You need to trade one of those other cities for New Orleans. I know. Go to New Orleans, man. Yeah, I'd like to go. Want to go? Should we go down there? Let's go. All right. All right, me and Brad are going to go down to New Orleans. Uh, in the meantime, uh, check out this podcast with Travis Shettle from Piebald. When I saw you got the Fuzzerocious dude came out. Yeah, it was awesome. He's great, right? He's really great. Yeah. Give me a pedal, so sweet. Give me this like fuzz pedal, the one with all like the. It's got springs at the bottom, so you like flip a switch and then it just makes weird noises. I haven't played really? it in yet, but it was really That's sweet cool. of him. He didn't it's, have to do that. I know. It's getting an effects pedal for some reason is like so amazing. Yeah. Like because I feel like you're like you save up so much money when you're younger buying them, and they're so expensive. And then someone hands you, and you're like, oh my god, like, this is my new prized possession. Yeah, yeah. Keep it in the box, store yeah. it until you can really have fun with it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, all right. Well, here we are. Travis Shettle. Yes. Jonah Bear. <laughs> We've been trying to do this for so long. I know. Violent. Well, yeah, that's right. It didn't work the last time I was in New York. It didn't right? last time. Yeah, I can't remember. <clears throat> it's all a blur, kind of. <sighs> Tell me about it. A messy, messy blur. Yeah. And now you... Piebald's here. That's true. And these shows, people have been posting a lot of photos of them. They have. They look pretty insane. It's been very flattering. I Has won't it been lie. surprising? Yes. I don't think we anticipated this. I, I mean, we obviously we knew what the ticket sales were, so like you knew the Boston shows were sold out, but it didn't mean the reaction would be the reaction we got. And it was just it was really sweet and really flattering and people seem to have had a really, really good time. And that's that's, I think, what we want mostly, like for us to have a good time and the audience to have a good time. That's why you pay money to go to a show, unless you're really moody and you go see Radiohead. Right, You're right. not really looking for like a good time. You're looking for like good musicians to play songs. Hopefully we supply maybe like a party. <laughs> Is it mostly old guys like us or younger kids? No, it was, oh, I noticed a lot of the things people have been tagging are like, oh, it made me feel like I was 20 again. And then the hashtag would be like, we're old. So I guess it's people who are probably like in their early 30s. Who, you know, there are people who are like, the last time I saw Pieball, they didn't have a mortgage or a wedding ring. And, you know, so I guess, I guess it is probably in our age or five years younger. Or just people like, who, I don't have any of that stuff now and I'm 36. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Uh, yeah, because last time I saw you guys, you guys had Jim Carroll's playing guitar. Yep, he's going to play a jam with us tonight. Is he? Nice. Yeah, he came to soundcheck, and it was good. That's cool. Yeah. Great guitar player. Great guitar player. I vaguely remember Ryan McGaffigan singing into a mic stand or something. I bet that'll happen again, too. He was pretty <laughs> uh, ham-slammed on Sunday. Was he, was, at one point, was he, you guys were here one time, was it with you guys where he got a black eye or something? Um, I think he like accidentally got hit in the face with some band. One, uh, definitely Andy of Piebald, <laughs> whose birthday it is today. Uh, they got into like a wrestling match in Boston, and I think Andy kind of just pushed Ryan's face onto a carpeted ground in such a way that it, like his eye was red, and it was like it was as if the skin around the socket got like burnt. You know, it was like it, it looked like someone had like take palmed their sandpaper like uh sandpapered their palm and just been like slammed it into ryan's eye and then rubbed it around yeah I it didn't it, look good it, it did looked, not look good. it was bloody and purple and then it, it had like uh <laughs> i feel bad i think at this point that is water under the bridge but i remember yeah. at the time all of us were mortified yeah we were like that looks really bad it looked really bad but again you heal it was fine it just was the first minute it was like it's like glistening and it was like sloppy and wet it was just gross yeah looked really painful yeah i remember it did look pretty bad he's doing great now though yeah he's great his, his eye is, looks yeah his eyes like magical it's perfect i get lost in him yeah um, okay yeah <laughs> i guess you can i guess you can um and you know you've done a lot of other musical stuff obviously in between piebald it's true um, but have you played out here a lot or is it mostly, mostly play in California or mostly play California? Although the past haunts in the last like five years have been out here twice. Okay. But not a lot, a little, a little here and there. We were here last September or, and actually we didn't even play New York. We just kind of weaved our way around it. Okay. Um, and then we were here four years ago around the time of CMJ. I remember. Um, but yeah, we don't do a whole lot of traveling outside of even los angeles really we did that west coast tour with braid but that was four dates we did like san francisco la at the troubadour and then there are a few more that i'm already forgetting but are you um, guys working on writing stuff or is that still yeah i guess we have five songs that we recorded last december and we just can't even pull it together enough to put them out so i don't i don't know what status it's in but we're all friends the three of us and we hang out all the time and we practice when we want to and when we can so it's like there really isn't i don't foresee an end to the band it's just when other stuff in our li lives is takes up more time we just don't practice as much or we don't but we just keep playing shows here and there it's been yeah. fun it's, it, it's nice to have musical outlets no matter what yeah i think so and you're playing another band as well yeah right? fakers fakers yes fakers is uh two of the guys from henry clay people okay one of the guys from that band, Facial, that I, uh, we talked about when you were yeah, out. Yeah, you played the family. They were cool. <clears throat> yeah, I like it. They're going to play the West Coast dates with Piebald when uh, we go out did there. Did I see Them that in Limbeck? Limbeck? Yeah. Oh I might have to come out. You should. The West Coast is going to rule. That's a pretty amazing lineup. I've I, been wanting to see those guys again for a long time, I'm too. really excited about it, especially because over here, getting the opening bands was so much of like a, a workout that didn't fall into place appropriately, and now it's fine, but... It, took forever and all the bands are different which is also fine right but you kind of 
you want it to just already be in place when you get there. And we were like working things out while we, since we've been here. So it's just been a little crazier. But the West Coast is solid. It feels yeah. good. It's all set. It's happening. It's great. I feel like you and Patrick seem like very kindred spirits. I love Patrick. He's yeah. great. All those guys are great. Yeah, all those and guys are great. We toured with them multiple times. I think one time we took them out, and then one time we were both opening for Say Anything. Okay. And so we, we've hit the road with them multiple times, and it's always fun, and they're always like kindred tour buddies, you know? So yeah. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And they're certainly going to add something to that that bill like people want to see limbeck and i'm pumped that the two of us were able to like make that work i know works i want to see him every night it's gonna rule yeah have you checked out pad's dad blog (laughs) getting rad with dad no i have not if you're bored in the van okay he's like a he's like a pretty he was out here doing some like event for like swifter or something like and he was like it's weird it's all these like yeah it's like it's all these guys that just like blog and get like free products and it's like patrick just kind of like stumbled into it and he's like i don't know yeah well his kids seem really cute and yeah nice. he's like 40 kids now i think <laughs> four zero yeah well whatever he's doing it i guess it's all working yeah it seems like it's working he cool. seems like a happy person getting rad with dad I'll getting rad check, with dad. That check out. it out everyone um and i wanted to talk a little bit so you also have a day job as a bartender in la yes do you like that I mean, what's that sort of like? Because I feel like I wouldn't be good at it. Because I'd imagine, especially in LA, you get a lot of like entitled people, absolutely, or people that are just like think you're like their servant. That's I think I think that goes with any um, like serving or what's the word for that category of job? Public, not public service. Um, with any sort of like serving job like that. There, yeah, there is. There are people who totally acknowledge you as human, and then there are another sect of people that literally they don't think of you as human but i try sometimes working in a bar gets me in a bad mood because i know that my hobby that i do which is music is just significantly more fun than that and more uh to me creative and enjoyable and freeing and all the good words you could put with it but music doesn't really pay the bills most of the time 95 percent of the time and so bartending if i have to have a job it's a pretty good one i love the bar that i work at most of the pe- most of the clientele are really nice i like my coworkers. i like the owners and then on top of that it's you just walk in every day and you're like i'm a party facilitator I yeah just, i just most people are going to a bar to have a good time to to enjoy some drinks after work and talk to their buddies to celebrate a birthday to go out on a Friday night so it's usually good spirits and I feel like we try to do our best to facilitate that and so it's it, there are worse things to do for sure what's like the most annoying thing that someone at a bar can do like what would you tell someone not to do if they're at a put bar? your hands in anything that's on the bar okay just fucking leave it alone <laughs> don't stick your fingers in anything. That's that really bums me out because if I see you do it, I will probably pick it up and just dump it out in front of your face because I don't know where your fingers have been. Right, you're talking I, about like I, olives, I, yeah, or, okay. cherries and uh, mint and other stuff. It's weird to me. I don't mind when people ask; I will grab one for you gladly. Right. But when you just go putting your fingers in it, that is weird to me. Your mom must have done something wrong. What about when people are like, "Excuse me, 
Like, or it's because I always, I'm always like, if it's busy, like you kind of hold your money up, you just try yeah, to make sure eye you're contact, ready. Like, I'm ready. Like, yeah, but not too. I I'm also like probably not aggressive enough in general. I'm usually like you because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, all right, they they are obviously busy. It's, right. It's, it's like if I was the only person that walked up to the bar, they probably would serve me right away. But they have <laughs> ten other people to get to, so I understand the excuse me. Whistling is weird. Snapping is weird. Snapping seems. Pretty bad. Um, I, I have had the people who their impatience comes out with them tapping their card on the counter, and I don't. I think that's almost something they don't realize they're doing. But it's like, uh, I mean, at the Mandrake, you can really hear it too. I think there's okay. something about it where it's like, oh god, just and then I'd like stop them from doing it. Can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> what about this move? Uh, you get a drink, don't tip, then come back for your second drink. Like, I feel like I have friends who are bartenders and they're like, I will just ignore the person all night. Like, you've blown it. I don't do that. I do understand people who will completely ignore you. But I also understand if you either don't know the etiquette of tipping or you're just not a big tipper. And if you consistently don't tip, then you're in trouble. Right. But if you do one drink and you don't tip... I'm okay with that. I okay. let it slide. I, yeah. I haven't made full judgment yet. If you keep doing it, then it's upsetting, and I, one of us will probably talk to you and be like, just so you know, it's a customary thing to tip, and that is how we make a living. So if you don't have enough money to tip, you probably shouldn't go out, and if you do, I believe we're deserving of it. <laughs> so maybe you should take that into consideration at the next place you go into. Yeah. You know, try to be as nice as possible, but it's also like... Maybe some people just don't know. Maybe, yeah, that's true. That's you know, true. I can't always assume that they have bad intentions. I have to. I try to assume that they just don't know. Yeah, that's a good attitude. I try. Sometimes I can't. <laughs> I try though. <laughs> but I, yeah. I mean, like, what's it? Pieball? Because I have like I'm trying to think. I've I have like the that like Muka split with Caven. That was an old one. That's pretty old. Yep. That's, that's probably what nineties. Yeah. Or, I would say that is like 95 or 6, 96. So you guys formed before that, obviously. 94. 94. And now yeah. it's 2016. So it's a pretty long time. Yeah. But again, we really, really, we played our last, the last shows in 2008. So we were a functioning band for 14 years. And then since then, we've played a handful of shows. Was... Was that a hard decision for you guys in 2008, like having the perspective now eight years down the road, like looking at that now, or was that, did it seem like the end of the world or like, cause I feel like so much of stuff, like your identity gets so tied into something yes, like that. I was definitely more depressed than I usually am, uh, after that, because it seemed, it did seem like something that was the biggest part of my life was then over. It was like the thing that I focused the most attention on. It was the thing I put the most effort into, you know, and, and then it was just like, I knew it was ending. We talked about it. We discussed it. You mentally know, but then you, you, we did that last tour with the format in 2007 and said, we know after this, it's over. We'll play some shows in the spring. And that's when we played Bowery, I think. And then the two shows at the Middle East in Boston. Okay. And that was two, the spring of 2008. But yeah, it's it it is part of your identity, and I guess now I'm realizing that it's still part of my identity. But um, it was pretty crushing when it was 
felt like it was like, okay, well, we're not going to ever play shows again. That's weird. It's a weird feeling. Or Right. And now it seems like, okay, obviously we will play shows again. And we're having a really good time this time around. But I never want to play 300 shows again in a year. Or f- feel the pressure of people who are having a terrible time on the road. Or like really you know want to get back to their loves loved ones like that those things i hope i hope we find a happy medium where it's like sure we can play a couple shows here and there this year next year kind of whenever but i don't want it to like saturate my life again in a way that a is too hard to physically live like that or b where it's over and it's heartbreaking again. I'd rather just right. have it sort of be like, ah, we'll celebrate the past every once in a while by playing a couple shows. That's awesome. Cool. Why did it, like, why now, like, now did this come up? Because I'd imagine you guys probably get asked to do stuff yeah, I think, pretty regularly. I think multiple things happened this year. Um, one was that we re-released the stuff on iTunes. And so right. that that was like a nice boost to the morale of Piebald and seeing people's excitement about it. Then the other thing was that Wrecking Ball for the past, I want to say four years, has thrown an offer out to Matt Galley and he always brings it to our attention. And this year I, I was kind of, I was more willing than I usually am. I think I've been the one that's immediately like, no, no. No, I'm not not really interested. And this year, I was a little more open to doing it. And then I remember having a conference call with Andy and Luke. And we all had the basic same idea that was like, yeah, why don't we do it? But instead of just playing a one-off in Atlanta that has no relation to anything if we did it on its own why don't we start in boston and play our way down to there so there's we can capture the east coast again and play shows in places where we haven't played in a long time and make it worth our while so you don't we don't practice for a few days to play one show you know it just seemed logical to put shows before that or after that show and they all ended up being the week before and it's been great i'm i would so far, at least, I would not change it for anything. I'm really happy we booked the shows before Wrecking Paul as well. Yeah. And Just, it's cool, like, to warm up for, like, I'm sure that Absolutely. Be, yeah. Boston was awesome. It was really nice to play shows in Boston again. Uh, Philly last night was amazing. It was the best show we've ever had in Philly. Yeah. And it's... I didn't even think we'd ever play another show in Philly. So that alone is a reward, you know? It was great. I've had like so many weird friends come out of the woodwork and be like, "Are you going this piebald show?" Like it feels like such You're a like fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, "How do you have my number?" Yeah, who is this <laughs> new phone? Who this? <laughs> but I mean, I like it's even for like much bigger bands like that hasn't happened to me before. I mean, piebald seems like such a beloved band, but I feel like was never like a commercially huge band. Like even like Big Wheel, like whatever Jimmy World, like. Big man, like I felt like you guys were super beloved to I me. Mean, what do you think? I know this is like a hard question, I guess, but what, like, what do you think connected with people, and like, why do you think maybe Pieball never became like a like a huge commercial success? I think maybe they're they're maybe even the same things because okay. I think, or they're related. Um, I because th- if there was a time when we were going to get big, it was going to be after we are the only friends we have came out. That was just, you could just feel the rise in momentum around the band. There were labels talking to us. There were people who were 
starting to formulate offers for us to be on a major or whatever. But I think in the end, we worried about losing control of the band and being told how to write a song or, or being told things as ridiculous as what to wear or that we didn't sell enough albums and, and that's not what they wanted or whatever. And we at least got to forge our own path. And I think that's part of what people appreciate about us is that we obviously, while we have certainly made mistakes, we only made our own mistakes. No one else made them for us. No one like we, the success we got was due to us and the failures we had were due to us. There wasn't any outside parties affecting how we did stuff. And for better or for worse, that has created the outcome of this band. We are extremely democratic and it is goddamn annoying sometimes, you know, because you have to wait for four dudes to make a decision about something. Right. And then they all have to kind of come to an agreement or somebody's upset about it. And then it's like, so I think people like the idea of us maybe still being a little special in that sense because we're not kings of leon we're just we never will be those the same people that like them maybe there's two people of every hundred that have even heard of piebald but i think that makes it special to the people that like it and i think obviously that record and particular songs maybe just resonated with people i still have people who come up to me and they're like you're these three songs got me through college and i never thought anybody would tell me anything i ever did got them through college you know and so that's flattering but i think that's the kind of stuff that people do carry with them right and that in and it it's lasting and i guess you never had like that major label record that never got released or any of that record nope. you're embarrassed about we also don't we all get along in the band i yeah. mean i don't need to see those guys every single day i know they would say the same exact thing about me that's not an insult it's just that like our friendship is one that when we do see each other every single day, it <laughs> and you're in a van and you're playing shows, you get frustrated with each other. It's like anything you do, right? But we have the type of friendship where we can get together like this, practice for a week, play shows for a week, and it's all it's been all like hugs and smiles and it's awesome. And you're like Aaron with his quirks, we just live it up. It's funny, you know? And I mean, we, we're all quirky and weird and that's how every band operates, but we never hit the point where somebody screwed somebody else's girlfriend or somebody hates this other person for this thing or this happened. It's just a group of guys who enjoy each other's company and who did really share something magical musically. Even if no one else thinks so, we get together and we play and we're like, wow, that sounded really good. Cool. And the songs are 10 to 20 years old. It's weird. Did you see that Ramones documentary end of the century? No, I have not. It's, It's really really awesome but yeah there's this whole part about basically like johnny stealing joey's girlfriend and Mary, and that's why they didn't get along and yeah who wants to- and it was so dark that would be something that you would forever hold as yeah. a grudge inside and even if you're like oh i'm here for the paycheck which to me is almost even worse because you're like probably looking over on the stage and you're like i hate that guy yeah. and i i still have to play these silly songs with him and it's just so I can pay my rent or, you know, afford the house I live in. I, that's, that's almost like you're torturing yourself. And I don't, I don't really like being in bands with people that I, I'm not, 
I'm not compatible with, you know, and and I think you find that out once you start touring, but I think Pieball did get really lucky in that sense. None of none of those like inside friend shenanigans really happened. You know, sure we pissed each other off, but not like that. Not like right. where it's dark and and psychological. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nope. I mean, speaking of like we're the only friends we have, I mean, I remember like just like the vibe of that song or like that album sort of being like we're kind of assholes to other people and not maybe not assholes but like we're kind of this unit yeah. i mean like how i guess like how accurate was that at that time i guess i think it was pretty it felt pretty accurate i mean and especially right after that we hit the road and we were on the road for the year pretty much after we recorded it in october of 2001 we really just were nonstop and it came out the following February and then it just kept going. It was like, and we did, I guess we felt kind of like a gang. Like it was like every night we tried to go out there and play the best show we could and be like, give it 110% and, and force people to have a good time, even if they didn't want to. And, you know, sometimes it was really easy to force them to. And then other times it took a lot of work, but I do feel like we had almost a gang mentality. It was like, go out there and, attempt to be the the best band and most fun band anybody could ever see and i know we're not but we got it to the piebald level where it felt like we were doing we were really good and we were really energized and people were really really into it and it was awesome but also i think what you guys were doing were so different than what the bands you that world you came out of like you know like i was associate you guys with like cave in and converge and whatever like bane and barrett and all these kind of boston hardcore bands it seems like you were a part of that but sonically it was i mean maybe the early stuff a little more but sonically so different it was so different but i remember we played shows with all sorts of i mean i remember playing shows with american nightmare and in my eyes and fast break and these you know like type of bands right. it was awesome that was part of the beauty of boston and new england in particular you, it would be a hardcore show but it would be uh, like the the entire hardcore spectrum would be represented you know i mean not all the time but there was definitely a willingness to uh um put different styles of bands on the bill and it would still be a hardcore show you right know? and that was that i mean we Aaron and I, in particular, absolutely suckled from the teat of Kurt Ballou of Converge. That he paved our musical youth path, you know. And still to this day, that's he's somebody that a I look up to, and b I can absolutely say that I would not have had the same musical trajectory had it not been for Kurt Ballou. You know, because I mean, we went to the same high school. He grew up in in the same town as us. He we lived in the first house in Alston and he lived there and he had a studio in the basement and he would record demos for us. And he, he was just, he was a couple years older, but like a thousand years smarter than all of us combined pretty much. And he, he just helped us to see a musical path that was possible instead of, you know, ho-hum music and top 40 crap and, and that kind of stuff. He definitely forge help forge our path for sure was he always sort of so kind of like innovative i guess or like did he always have like those kind of ears like i mean i can't i guess i we recorded with him at god city like maybe like seven or eight years ago for mm -hmm. this death with seven inch and i just remember 
there's a moment where, and I don't know Kurt very well, and I played something. He's like, "Is that? Did you play that wrong? Or is it supposed to sound wrong?" <laughs> and I was like, uh, "It's not supposed to sound wrong. I guess I played it wrong." And then I played it again. It's like oh, that was worse. And I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And then I, like we kind of then we sat there and worked through it, and it came out so much better. I was like, "This guy is really helping me." Yes, like it's like he he didn't have like a huge filter. But like he was really, he was right and he was super direct and actually like I was really thankful. I was like, oh, this came out way better. Right. He has a very musical mind and the more and more I hear his production stuff, I'm like this, he's also seemingly forging a path in that. I mean, who doesn't, who, if you're in a heavy band, who doesn't want to record with Kurt? Yeah. Every, and, and it's all, it's like, I heard the Baptist record. That thing is crushing. Is it? And then the Sumac record, and it's different, but it's crushing. Yeah. And the last Converge record, my God, is amazing. Like, he's just, he's doing a beautiful thing for modern heavy music, I think. And I appreciate that he is 20 some odd years into his musical journey, and he's like crushing it. That is awesome. Yeah. I mean, are, it seems like you're still, like, I remember us hanging out in LA, like, you, you coming out to our show and stuff. Like, it seems like you still get excited about, like, new bands and music and checking out records. I try to, and I do feel that in the past five years, I have made it more of a personal mission to do so. If I know a friend's in a band, I'm going to pre-order their record. And if I'm not working the bar the night they come into town or I'll take a night off, I'll, I'll go see the show. I... I I'm into it. Like bands like Mutoid Man. I mean, I saw them both times they're in LA. I pre-order the records. I'm digging it. It's like I'm really happy people that I was playing with in my youth are still playing and I'm also really happy to find out about new music that does excite me cuz there is a lot of crap out there, but yeah. then at least every year still good records are being put out and that is a, a good thing to know and whether it's a friend of mine or someone i kind of know or complete complete strangers it's nice that good music is still being made i think that's a difficult thing though as you get older because i feel like it's so easy to be like i've heard it all before this is just another version of this thing i saw a better version of this 10 years ago and in a way i guess i still have that feeling in a way like i'm i don't think i'll ever have the same type of feeling as when i like first put on um you know, Dinosaur Junior, Green Mind. Like, I don't... Things might be like, oh my god, that was awesome. But there is something... I think it's just because you have less life experience when you're a teenager and you've heard some records that have been forced on you via radio and your parents and whatever is popular on the dial when you turn it. And then you have the time when you're like, I chose to buy this record because I heard about it from a friend or I heard one of their songs and I thought it was really cool. And then you put it on and it unleashes, it like opens a new magical world for you. And I don't think you can even have that same response at 38. Right. You, I, I love, for example, I love the King Gizzard record, uh, Nonagon Infinity. It came out earlier this year. Um, but I still didn't, take me to that place of like holy crap i have not heard anything like this in my life where i think when we were in high school in like early 20s we were like we wanted that to happen you and you just had you just heard less stuff at that point you know and i 
Yeah, I think those are that is a special time in people's like musical discovery life thing because yeah, you're just like you're yearning for hearing new things. You're yearning to hear your own thing. Like, what is me? What am I? Like, I right. want I identify. This is me. Found it, and then you then you're like. Then you hear a bunch of other stuff later, and you're always going to go back to some of that stuff because there was such a strong connection to it. Yeah. I had a conversation yesterday with this guy who's a music writer also, but he's like 11 years younger than me. We're talking about Bad Religion or someone, and I was like, well, yeah, this record and this record. He's like, yeah, I don't really know those ones, but like these. And I was like, oh, those are like their later records. But I was like, oh, to you, those are, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Isaac and I were talking about that when we were screen printing shirts, except his discussion was of Descendants and how one of his least favorite records he finds out is often people's favorite record. And he's like, it's just a different time that you're getting into them or when a record hit you or when you found out about a band and they happen to be have just put out that record. And so for whatever reason, it speaks to you. Yeah, it's interesting. People have different uh, pockets of if a band lasts long enough, you have like different different fans like different eras of a band yeah. you know there was an era of hot word music where i was like i don't like any of the songs you guys are playing like i'll go every time i love you guys yeah. but like i want to hear the shitty recorded stuff you did and yeah, like yeah. you know what i mean but it's like i also understand what like no one else wants to hear that why would you play it right i mean would you say the piebald sets on this are like kind of a mix yeah it's a mix um yeah we do stuff from lemons a lot of venetian blinds a lot of friends we don't play too many of the two newest records it's i mean there's a song or two on there every night but it's like it's mostly what we remember being people's favorites like maybe not fan favorites but like crowd favorites the songs that seem to uh stir people up the most you know or the times when we were making those songs that seem to stir people up the most are there any songs you guys are playing that you're like surprised people are like super into because it seems like some would not you know would be obvious yeah some let me think not really i guess i'm i've been a little surprised no i can't i can't think of one i can't i don't have an example of yeah that. that's okay thank you thank you <laughs> Have you ever thought about uh, doing any type of like jingle work or like done like a music? Like, I feel like a lot of people in like bands like of that era kind of like went on to do that kind of stuff. I think it, I don't know how you get into like the jingle world or the I don't the, uh, really either. The like soundtrack world that's how soundtracks sound really fun and artistically creative to do. No one's ever asked me. I would love to do that. And jingles are just. That also seems like it'd be fun. I don't know. I'd love to write weird 30 second songs about Cheez Its or something. <laughs> do you, uh, do you play guitar a lot even when maybe you're not practicing specifically for something? Um, I wish I played more. Yeah. I wish I played more often. So I wouldn't say a lot, but sometimes. And lately more than usual just yeah. because of this. And I found that. Just having a guitar around is a good way to be creative and get something done, but you still can just sit there. Yeah. <laughs> do you, um, what do you think about the chances of Pieball making new music? Um, I think I'm, I'm a little wary of it 
and certainly a little maybe the word isn't scared but hesitant because it seems like not only am I going to second guess myself and then the song or songs and then you have multiple songs on an album people cared significantly less about our the last two records anyway that we made I think to me it seems more like <clears throat> we're a band that now people are enjoying mostly for the nostalgia factor I mean I, I don't think most people aren't like like oh I've just been <laughs> just been waiting for you to write a new Pie Vault song that has been said to me never you know so I just I don't think the world wants it and I'd rather play shows and play these songs that are from the past that have I don't know I guess inspired people to feel something or do something or anything but I won't say never but I I'm definitely a little a little hesitant yeah I understand seems like a large undertaking <laughs> and then and then we'd probably be upset that nobody that people aren't into it if they're not into it and I don't know. It's just rot with all these emotional things. I understand. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome that people still are so into this other stuff. I mean, like that's on its own. It's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Like I agree. No one has ever been like, Jonah, your first band. Like, I hope you guys can play some shows again. <laughs> like, yeah. I, we also just had a, we had a, maybe like a, for a first ba for a first real band that most of us were in, Piebald was a pretty, I'm sure, a unique experience in that because it, we just kept growing together, and obviously we got better at playing and better at songwriting, and we were sort of doing it together. Whereas I think a lot of people are like, you have like four or five bands, and then you hit a band where you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. Everybody can actually play now, and and we're writing cool songs, and we we're, there's the magic there. But I think Piebald sort of did that all together in a way. Well, and, I mean, I feel like if you listen to like When Life Hands You Lemons, and then We're the Only Friends We Have, I mean, you would, I think like if you played that for someone who didn't know you guys, it would almost sound like two different bands. I yes. mean, stylistically, you guys changed so much. Yeah, I think. I mean, you can hear that they're the same band, but I also could see why people would listen to both and hear think that they're not the same band you know so yeah we yeah we just seem to do our growing together instead of in a bunch of different bands you know so you how old were you in the band for you was it like a teenager yeah um if it was 94 17 16 okay yeah because i remember Some of the first practices, we would be like getting dropped off by our parents at practice. So, yeah, had to be in that like 16 realm. Did you go to college or were you touring? Or what? Um, was... I did go to college. I went to UMass Boston, but I also dropped out okay. quite a few times to do tours. <clears throat> um, 
I think I ended up graduating around the same time I would have anyway. I would take summer classes if we weren't touring. I tried to like make up the slack of dropping off of dropping out a few times. Um, but yeah, I did go. To, I somehow managed to fit a college education. That's in impressive. There. I know. I'm, I feel like everyone I know like went to Rutgers and like no one graduated. Everyone like <laughs> dropped out like to be in Thursday or whatever. <laughs> Everybody in Rutgers is in Thursday. Yeah, literally everyone. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You graduate and you get like a Thursday crown. <laughs> Boom! You did it. I was. Were we talking about this when I did that? I did that summer guitar thing at Berkeley when I was seventeen. I think you told me and a little. Bit I used about to this. go to Little Stevie's Pizza every night and play video games. Yes, and eat pizza. And then I would go buy cupcakes and eat. It was my first time ever away from home. I didn't talk to any girls. I just, you ate, just pizza ate pizza and, and play video games. Yeah. Well, you know what? That doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> it was actually pretty awesome. Yeah. Pizza. Yeah. Cupcakes. Yeah. Playing music. Yeah. Seventeen. Not so bad. Not so bad. Those are simpler days. Yeah, definitely. Do you still feel a connection with Boston, even though you've been you've been in LA for how long? A decade. No. Okay. Um. Yeah, I do. I can. I certainly. I love Los Angeles, but I know I'm not from there. Um. And just being back in Massachusetts, it feels like where I was made, you know? Yeah. Um, I do say usually now that I'm from Los Angeles, even though I'm not, but that usually describes like where I did come from in these particular times. Um, but yeah, certainly it's still a connection to the New England area. Absolutely. Boston and still lots of friends there. Andy still lives in Medford, the bass player. Oh, yeah. So there's, yeah, I still have quite a few friends there. Had fun jobs there. UMass was fun. Just like a lot of history. Yeah. Newberry so. Comics. Newberry Comics. <laughs> ah, yes. Do you, um, do you feel like there's like a music scene in Los Angeles or is it more kind of people like trying to like make it or something or I, I don't know. I mean, like sort of like, like what you were saying earlier about the Boston scene I don't really, I was talking to someone else about this and we were like, I don't know if that happens anymore. Like so many bands together, different, cause it's like with the internet, it's like you find some other band, like three states over that kind of fits and then mm -hmm. you check them out. And like, I don't know how localized things are anymore. I think it's very, and maybe it's the time and not the city. Um, but in LA, it's really hard to organically grow your band there because and I think there's a few factors. A, there are a million things to do on any given night of the week that you can choose from. There's probably 30 shows you could, different shows you could go to. There's movies. There's uh, people's parties. There's people's birthday parties. There's a bar that you're going to go on a date at. There's a, maybe you just freaking want to stay home. You right. know, like there's a million things you could do. Um, and then on top of that, I think that the majority of Los Angeles is going to go, when they go see music, it's like they're going to go see a touring known band, right? You're going to go see... Uh, I'm trying to think like who in my Instagram feed like everyone was at like the like Ryan Adams or yes. something. Yes. Yeah, you're going to see go see that concert or you're going to you know even like a pavement at the Hollywood Bowl. That's 
a certain population of LA is probably like waiting for that to happen when it happened, you right. know? And then they go to that show and probably don't go to another concert the whole year or wouldn't think of going to the smell to then go see a show the following week right. or whatever. Just think it's a different different scene mentality, but uh, and then I also think the last 15 or 20 years have changed how people find, listen to, and see music anyway. So it's harder to... The the playing field has somewhat been leveled in a way, but also become a lot less special. Remember when you had to book time at a music studio to record anything at all? And now, if you have a microphone and a computer, you can make anything you want. Right. And and it doesn't doesn't require the same same stuff. And then this is all the digital social stuff that is somewhat beyond me. It just it changes the whole the whole like musical playing field is different. There's a lot less organic. Like okay, we made a seven inch. What do we do now? You hop in a van right. and you contact the people who you know from other people you know from your area who have gone on tours. And you just call them. And you're like, hey, can we do a show in your basement or at the VFW Hall? Because we heard that Caven went through and they had a really cool time. And then they say yes, and you sell a couple seven inches and they tell their friends that it was fun. And the next time you come back, there's, there's 20 people there instead of five. Right. And then it just grows organically and because you are traveling and playing these places and now it's like why the hell would you tour unless there's a demand to tour right what do you why yeah you go out there and spend a ton of money on gas and <clears throat> hours and hours in the van and no one knows who you are that's especially all that i feel like people who haven't toured don't realize like how much space in the middle of the country there's like not i mean like so i feel like what you guys are doing makes sense like do like east coast down this thing do the west coast like and you can i'm sure some people are going to be like why don't you come here but like for the most part that's yeah we covered a lot of things i i truly am hoping to do some like you know chicago detroit stuff next year i I, this again it's just me talking and kind of daydreaming this is Um, not an official announcement definitely not (laughs) not an official (laughs) announcement um but yeah, I mean, there are other places I'd like to hit, but I do think we already covered a good chunk of places that, or will by the end of September, that I feel like are fitting places for us to play. And, you know, and even yesterday, there was a guy that came up to me he's like, in Philadelphia and he's like, we drove five hours to get here. And I was like, that's disgusting. Thank you. <laughs> like, that's amazing. But it's it's still weird. But even that, someone's willing to travel five hours to get there. So... We're getting more than even the people that are in these cities. So Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure these shows are so validating, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, do you kind of look back fondly on those kind of early tours where Absolutely. I'm sure... Yeah. I wouldn't change it at all. It was, it, it was an experience that so few people get to have, and I, and I know I'm lucky to have it, and I know everybody's life experience and what you were doing in your 20s is different for everybody, and that being in piebald was my 20s pretty much it was like what that's when we were really on tour that's when we were writing the most songs that's when we were the most like tight-knit that's when we would get in the van and and just go out there and drive and play and drive and play and drive and play and 
it seemed like what other life could there be? You know, and I obviously know now that there is a lot of other life after that and you have to figure it out. But I I wouldn't trade my past for anything. You know, if some office job or something, I don't think so. Or like not doing that because I didn't want to tour as much. I don't know. All of us were were ready to hit the road. And then I think it just grew organically and exponentially. And we finished be halfway through one tour and know we had another one coming up and then get a phone call that another tour we got booked on some hey mercedes dates at the end of all three of those and you're like okay let's do it right and so you knew sort of months in advance how things were developing and it it was just constant and really exciting plus it took me to places i never would have gone to yeah i got to see so much of the united states i got to go to europe the only i don't really go on vacation my times of traveling were almost all band related. Those are, they're not vacations, but they're how I've been able to see parts of the world. Yeah, that's true. And it's, that's, I really appreciate that part of it too. So yeah, I wouldn't trade it. I wish I had, I wish I remembered more of it, but I wouldn't <laughs> trade it. I wish I remember more of my twenties too. Yeah. It's, it's a little fuzzy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. It's a haze. It starts blending together. I will post things. Our sound guy, Matt, who's with us now, he was with us for quite a few tours in the mid-2000s, and he remembers every place. He remembers, oh, yeah, we saw this Red Sox game, and I thought it was at Fenway Park. And I look at the picture, and I'm like, it's obviously not Fenway Park. And I know that. But he's like... No, man, that was uh, Detroit. Or he like he just he knows the score of the game. Yes, <laughs> he remembers that he knows where every red roof in is. <laughs> he knew how to get. He know he he just has a a serious memory. He'll be like, we weren't weren't there, Travis. You're absolutely wrong. He's we were like we were here, and this happened. And then remember that was the show when this happened. And you're like, no, I don't. It's all like a big cloudy blur of shows and venues and walking upstairs to a dressing room and putting your bag down and being like, where am I? I just don't it all blurred together for me I mean not all of it I do have some specific memories that I know were at certain places but a lot of it is just a big touring I'm in my 20s haze yeah I mean yeah that is cool I mean I imagine yeah you guys must have played thousands of shows I mean I imagine it would yeah definitely have yeah they just started to blur together especially when they were all in like that one year when we played 300 shows you you guys really played three hundred shows in one year? Yeah, it was like the two thousand three. Wow! And I think the following year we did two hundred. Wow! And then I lost my voice. Really? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much the. It was like ah, well, we can't do this for a while. So, but yeah, that was a crazy year. It's a lot of traveling. All right. I'm glad that I that we didn't lose that podcast, man. Me too. That was a really good podcast. Um, again, uh, our apologies to Travis. Our, our apologize. <laughs> I've been doing this thing lately. Last night I couldn't pronounce the word cool. I kept being like, like cool, like not like or like I was like cool, 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 quell. Like 
you ever have that? I like could not, and I kept saying it over and over. And I was with my friend Oliver, and at first I think he didn't notice, and then he's like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I have to say it right. You had like, I've never had that happen, but it's like the equivalent of when you write a word down, and you're like, that's not the right way to spell that. Word. Yeah. But you had that in your mind or something? Yeah, I pronounce words you wrong. You couldn't pronounce it. And I just can't get it. And I know, it's, and it'll be very, words I've been using my whole life. <laughs> Anyway, sorry for that weird <laughs> non sequitur. Uh, yes, uh, check out Piebald at the Boston Calling Festival. Check out their whole discography, I believe, is now available on Spotify, iTunes, and all that. So uh, check out all that. They did a anniversary show for We're the Only Friends that we have at Webster Hall back in May when we recorded this, and the show was fantastic. So those guys are at the top of their game, despite taking a lot of time off. Um we are also at the top of our game. Hell yeah. And if you want to keep us there, you can <laughs> donate to us um, via Venmo now. Yeah, um, we have a Venmo account. It's uh, off track, and it'll probably pull up my name, Brad Worrell, but you pay off track. And If you want the money just to go just to Brad, please put that in the notes. Yeah, put it please in the notes. specify that. <laughs> otherwise, it will go to the podcast. It'll, otherwise, it'll go to pay for our server. Yeah. So, yeah. Exciting we have, server costs. We have a lot of server costs. Um I don't really even know what that means, but I know just it costs money for this podcast to exist somewhere that you can listen to for free. Mm-hmm. So is this, the, but the server is a physical thing. The server is like a cloud. It's thing? a computer. This computer. Is it, where is it? I don't know. It's actually all over the place. There's a lot of servers spread literally all around the world and they all have copies of our podcasts on them. It's God. <laughs> it is. It actually is God. Yes. Yeah, so if you want to support God, <laughs> Venmo us money. If you don't want to support God, then don't, then PayPal us money from the website. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to, you definitely do not have to support God to, to PayPal or use Venmo with us. We, we don't care. Uh, uh, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, that's cool. Um, send us good vibes send talk us good about vibes. us talk about us you can leave us a nice review on itunes that's very helpful subscribe to this podcast we're um like i said like brad said like a lot of these podcasts were older because we didn't have a studio so some of the topical conversation is non-existent or outdated and from now on we are back we'll be hitting you with all the latest current events <laughs> uh which so, we promise not to talk about. Which we promise not to talk about because you can hear about that literally anywhere else you turn. <laughs> but yeah, we're back. Um, we're at Brad's apartment. It feels good. And thanks so much to Travis Shettle for coming by. And we'll be back next week with a podcast from a punk rock icon. Yeah. Who could it be? Mystery. Yeah. Wait and see. Yeah, I guess we'll have to go... I'm not, I'm not, I was going to do an album title and I was like, whatever I say is going to give it away. So you'll just have to wait. But next week we have also have a very, very exciting podcast. You'll definitely want to tune into. Um, so we'll see you then. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.